Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our construction, innovation, and digital transformation adventure with a mission to model the future for this great industry. This is a special episode of Bridging the Gap. This is our final live recording from the fifth annual MEP course. During the day one general session, I had the honor to sit down with the queen of prefab herself, a past guest on this podcast, and my friend, Amy Marks. She's the head of industrialized construction at Autodesk. Hope you enjoy this special episode. On to the live recording. Our featured guest speaker this afternoon is none other than Amy Marks, the the queen of prefab. Amy is a leader, an innovator, and a change maker. Before joining Autodesk, Amy was the CEO of Excite Modular and pioneered a path to become the world's preeminent prefabrication consultant and is often known as the queen of prefab. Literally creating the role as the first prefabrication consultant, Amy defined the language and process that is adopted by companies, countries, and builders around the world to enable prefabrication. Amy champions the use of optimized prefabrication across many building types, including high-tech, healthcare, hospitality, data centers, residential, and commercial buildings. Is there a type that you don't do, Amy? (laughs) Uh, She has strong relationships across the world with many owners, architects, engineers, and supply chain partners. And this next sentence is going to give me a pain as a South Carolina Gamecock fan. Uh, Amy graduated from the University of Florida that beat up my Gamecocks really bad this last weekend. Uh, She's also an alumni of Harvard Business School. So Amy is going to join me on stage for uh, a fireside chat. Let's do it. I love it. All right. So welcome, Amy. This is your your first in-person MEP force, which is hard to believe. You've been a major part of the conference for the last three years. I can't believe this is my first in-person. It seems crazy. That seems crazy. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, it's crazy. So uh, our theme, you know, this year is, is stronger together. So how do you see it as people coming together through the trades? How do we actually bridge some of the, the divides that are, are causing us? What are those hurdles there and, and how do we actually come together? You know, I, first of all, I've had such great conversations. I, I should apologize for those of you who have had to eat meals with me. I always like to say, remember, I, I for me, it's fun to talk about crazy things like data and the number of you know, components in your library and, you know, what you're able to do. And, and so, like, I apologize for anyone who's had to have a, a meal or a drink with me. But um, I think, you know, we really have to start looking to the people that actually have the, the information that the data is based on, which are really the makers. So, you know, I've always been a proponent of the trades, and I grew up in construction. So I think you've got to go to the people that actually have the right data, and those are the people that know how to make something. So come together means, for me, stand up and do the part that you know how to do best, which is tell us, tell everyone how to make things. And, um, you know, we don't have a lot of time left on this planet for the people that actually have the domain expertise to get that out into, you know, embedded into the technology. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, kind of thinking through that, what's the, what's the end goal for the trades? So what should, what's the promised land look like? And then how do we start working backwards? So, you know, for those of you who don't know me, I, lo- I mind map a lot of things. Like, we talked about this. I have a few, you know, strange neural diversities. And um, for the, if you don't know what that means, I think neural diversity, look, look it up on, on Google. But I like to take a lot of data from a lot of different places. So raise your hand if you had lunch with me today. 
I, I, I feel badly for you. I, I ended it like sort of on a like Debbie Downer, but you know, I think about a lot of things in life and I really do care about the trade contractors um, because I think they're the, the people that have families and homes and I love, and we're building, you know, the houses and hospitals and data centers that we need to live on this planet. And if you're not thinking about how you're gonna keep this country and other countries going and creating jobs for great people on this planet, I want you to. So I'm always doing it with love intended that I, I, I sort of like warn you of the future state. And I, I look at what Clay's talking about, which I think is amazing. And for those of you who I had lunch with, I was like, wait, you're not thinking about these things, about productizing sort of the more complicated assemblies that are in the building. And I see, you know, the work that you guys are doing to really think about it after the design is done. But on the same token, I just ran into somebody when I was walking in, I told the guys at lunch, you know, that they were like, hey, five years ago, I ran into you and you were talking about prefab. And, and now, like, they mentioned to me, they're not seeing they're seeing in drawings carve outs of all these products that they're not getting a chance to bid anymore, like the CEPs and you know all the central utility plants and the bathroom pods and you know the 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 um, bathroom batteries behind the you know the gang bathrooms. So it's like all these things that somebody else is productizing are now removed off the drawings for them to bid because they are getting in front of the design and they're put there before anyone else can have a chance at them. So it's like, as we're waiting, to, and the, there were guys at my lunch table that were like, well, we're just seeing it's more effective for us once the drawings come out for us. To, and I'm like, that, the, you won't get that chance anymore. So I'm warning you, like I'm a futurist, by the way, my job is to make you feel uncomfortable. And, and thank you for the guy who said, thanks for warning us five years ago, we took some steps. I'm warning you again, like, because I have love in my heart, because, you know, people put food on the table for me as a kid, with the same way that you're putting food on the table for your kids. I think you have to really start thinking about how you might get wiped off the face of the earth if you don't make changes and how the, the people that you're paying the mortgages of, their kids will not have food on the table if you don't think about how you're going to evolve in the next next. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you always gotta be that step ahead and, and thinking through. You do. Yeah. So Randy, this morning, uh, had a great talk on uh, change management. And, and thinking through, she shared one of your slides on, on the, the maturity uh, Thanks, stack Randy. and everything. <laughs> you got a shout out. <laughs> uh, how do you think through maturity in change management and trying to create that, that culture around it? Yeah, thanks for the shout out. I always love, you can have any of my stuff and I love when people give me credit for it, but you know, so Autodesk right now with Haley and Aldrich is doing a maturity assessment that we're rolling out in the United States for anyone that wants to have us come in and look at a bunch of different areas, including lean and your, your shops. A lot of people want to evolve their shops to become manufacturing facilities. So we have a way of looking at um, your shop and your technology to assess the maturity of what's going on. And you can actually bring us in to do that, to give you a plan and, and assess your maturity of where you're at with a, a five-point plan on like where, where you're looking at with culture and lean and technology and a whole bunch of things to give you an assessment and a plan to move forward. Um, so that's number one. That, and by the way, I just made that announcement for the first time ever at MEP Force that that's available. Well, there you go, breaking news here. I, like I am it. doing breaking news because I love MEP Force. You know that. I feel that like about we needed me. a beep, 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 beep. And I'm like beep, beep, beep. scroller so, across. And that's true. Like Autodesk and Haley and Aldrich, for the first time ever, are announcing that we're going to be doing this maturity assessment and making that available 
to all customers to, to go in and help you do that. And, and really, you know that I do that. I, I wrote a master's level course that's available to people this year in industrialized construction. And that course is actually available for free to companies to even look at for education. So I like to do things. Where do they go to find that? The course is actually online. The assessment is not free. You actually have to hire um, Autodesk and Haley and all just to do that part. Um, because we come in and we spend a little bit of time with you to do that and write you a plan. So I, I really do these things and we do these things at Autodesk because we want you to be successful. So that I really wanted to make sure that you, you hear that part. I think the part that, uh, that I also want you to hear is that, you know, we've been talking a lot about the maturity assessments and what you need to do to move forward in education. But now I want to talk uh, like uh, really quickly about um, what you should, this, this, this phrase I want you to like burn into your brain that we talked about last night at dinner and it's called expected experience, right? So I want you to remember this phrase like what is the expected experience moving forward? So like I'm not wearing my iWatch today because it wasn't charged but like my Apple Watch, my daughter loves to correct me, I call them ear pods and their AirPods, whatever. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm a 14 year old, I'm 51, I forget what things are called. But the expected experience on my Apple Watch is that I could order a pizza right now and I could like customize it and pay for it on Venmo on my watch and I would know when it was going in the oven and I would know that I customized it to what I wanted and I would know when it came out and I would know the make and model of the car that it was gonna come and deliver to my house and I would also see a picture of the driver and I would see the camera of like the guy pulling up to my house and I would know before he rang the doorbell or she and I could go to the door and it would already be paid for on Venmo and it would be customized to what I wanted. And I would see like the whole timeline, right? And I would know that I'd have to like put on a sweater to like walk to the door and I would open the door before the doorbell rang, right? That's the expected experience of like ordering a pizza. Mm -hmm. And yet I have to call somebody who calls somebody who calls somebody to find out if like my equipment is showing up today on a job site, right? Right. We have to like stop this nonsense. And like we were talking about, I forgot the guys from Minnesota's name, but like we were talking about like, I said, what's your thing? And he was like, fishing. And I was like, if you wanted to buy a fishing pole, he's like, you know, we just have to have architects like design build is the thing. And like, we've got to go show them what we can do and like get to the front. And I was like, okay, like, so like fishing's your thing. I'm like, do you want somebody like knocking on your door every day, like from every fishing company in the world and being like, you should buy this rod and here's all the things about it. And this is what it does. And I was like, that would be ridiculous, right? Like, your expected experience is like, you need a fishing rod. You're gonna like go online and like, look what it does. And he was like, yeah, but you can't do that right now in like racks and riser. I go, why not? Like, shouldn't you be able to like go there and find out and put in the parameters of what you're looking for for that rack? And like, while I'm designing the building, shouldn't I be able to like ask questions and for it to come up and like, and just like my expected experience with fishing rods, like if it got complicated, shouldn't I be able to like query certain things and like, and shouldn't like it like pop up and say, do you want to chat with us? Like you seem to have some questions. And before I actually get to like video chat with somebody, shouldn't a bot pop up and says like, ask your question here. And if it like asked it like in the normal way, shouldn't an answer come up of like frequently asked questions. And if it got real complicated, shouldn't it be like, do you want to talk to a human? And I would say yes. And they'd be like, let me engineer some stuff for you. And oh, do you have a picture of your boat and the thing you're trying to fit? And I'd be like, yeah, let me upload it. And they'd be like, oh, the model you want of that is that. That is what happened. Where's my fishing guy? Like, by the way, if I, and, right? And you'd be like, yeah, that would be what I would do if I wanted to buy like a really complicated fishing rig for my thing. And we'd be like, that would make sense because that's the expected experience of buying a really expensive fishing rig right now. And two years ago, if I had that conversation with guys in our space, they'd be like, that's not happening for racks. And then this year, the guy goes, I could be a bot. 
And I go, yeah, because like somebody would, like, would answer that now and in machine learning would go and they'd be like, every time we answered about racks for the last 15 jobs, that was the answer. And we would have captured it and the answer would have been in the chat, like everything we've ever answered about racks. And this year the guy was like, yeah, probably before I retire, like somebody could take every answer I ever answered on jobs and it would be a bot until the like couldn't be answered and then some guy would video chat up in my engineering office. And I was like, I literally called my boyfriend after and I was like, times are a changing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love the expectation because you're putting yourself in the, your consumer mind in your everyday life right. and bringing that into construction. It's, it's Expected it's experience, yeah. right? Like nobody wants to have someone knock on their door to buy a fishing pole. You said I could be a bot, right? It makes sense. I would, I'll be a bot, right, before I retire. Like they'll take everything in my brain and I would be a bot. And then one guy, just for just the record. Just go into the matrix. He just goes, well, that means like uh, I wouldn't have a job. And I go, nobody wants your job now anyway. We don't have enough people to do these jobs, right? And he goes, that's true. Right, like before, somebody would have said that, but now we can't find people to do these jobs. So yeah, so you have a, a phrase, manufacturing inspired design. Unpack I that. Do. What it's does actually, that mean? So manufacturing. And by the way, you can ask as many questions as you want right now. I'm not scary at all. And challenges. I always say questions and challenges. You could stand up and be like, "I'll never be a bot." That's fine. So it's, it's so there's a category of products out there right now called, and I think years ago I said. BIM is great. Building for modeling, information modeling is great. Now, I can see all of you. How many of you have ever had a model that you can't build from? Raise your hand. Everyone raise your hand. Bashful crowd. <laughs> Come on, like, that's like, be for real. How many, let me ask that again, and now you have to like, be honest. How many of you, this is a rhetorical question, which means that we all know the answer. How many of you have ever had a model that you can't build from? The answer is everyone. Because like, information is just information. If it was not informed by the maker, all of you, it's not real, so we actually need manufacturing informed design. All these great configurators and all this information that you know, you're doing downstream with all this fantastic stuff that Evolve is putting together, in reality, has to be in front of the designer, right? It has to be accessible to the designer with all the kits of parts and all the things that you're making, with all the ways in which it can be adjusted only to its manufacturability, only to the things that you're doing in your shop. So that one day that building information model is the eye is intelligent with what can be manufactured, all the parameters of what can be manufactured. Remember, I, by the way, I did, I'm the one that took a picture of Clay's thing. Sorry, Clay, but it is up there. Everyone takes photos. I'm happy to take photos. But the thing I was actually taking a picture of, Clay, was the rules and constraints that you had in the first column. Because I believe one day that in the cloud, the things you're creating, the rules and constraints for right now downstream will, ev will evolve to be upstream so that, again, think expected experience. How many of you, raise your hand. I need to see hands. Who orders from Amazon.com in real life? Not your wife or your husband. Who order? You really, really order. You order from Amazon.com? Okay, so you, you know what rules and constraints mean. You say, I want to buy, what do you buy? What's your thing? Minor shoes, what are your things? Shoes, uh, stuff around the house. Funny, I thought you were gonna say shoes are my thing too, and I was like, that's so cool. Like we both have Josh shoes. really likes red high heels Okay, too. like uh, red high heels are my thing. <laughs> like, okay, so let's say things around the house are like, I don't know, like you love cleaning supplies or something, right? So like you're like, I need cleaning supplies that like clean corrosive things. Like, these are questions and things you need to know, right? Like, so I believe like, by the way, whenever I search for something, let's say fishing stuff, let's go fishing, it's just easy. We were using it as an example before. Like when I search on the rules and constraints for fishing things, what comes up? Manufacturers of those things come up, distributors of those things come up, right? And resellers of those things all come up. They all, depending on what I put in for my query, those things all come up and somebody had to create data schema so that they could all put that, that product in there and those rules and constraints. By the way, 
that goes deeper on my, my future state, right? Because like some of them only have the product as is. Some of them think configurators clay. Some of them I can go into their back-end store, right? And I can put my name on my fishing gear because I am so cool, right? I can put Amy, queen of prefab, on my fishing gear because I'm able to customize, depending on who I am, like and how good I am in my back-end shop to, to configurate that in a special combination of things depending on on whether I'm the manufacturer of that, the reseller, or just the distributor. So that's the expected experience of the way the real world works, and I believe that that's the way the real world will work one day, right? And, and again, like Jeff Bezos, who started Amazon, said, margin on margin on margin is our opportunity, right? Like, it's my opportunity. I believe that'll happen too, like here for our space. How many $14 trillion ecosystems, I'm not saying that Amazon takes over the world, but like, how many $14 trillion ecosystems do you know that have yet to been to be like, you know, monetized in such a way, and that will happen, right? Like, I think it, there, there aren't too many that are left. And so I think we have to start thinking expected experience. How many of you are tracking things on your phone? Like, oh, I only know a couple of people in the world that are using geo-tracking on their phone to see what's going on. And you know now that we have this platform, like Autodesk Platform Services, where people are building cool apps, let's call them, right, where you could be, like, how many of you have young people building cool technology aside from using, like, Evolve is obviously building some cool tech. By the way, you could be the next Waze on the Apple platform, quote, unquote. You know, like, there is Apple Maps. How many of you use it? It kind of sucks. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't use I use Waze. It's not an Apple product, but it's worth a lot of money. How many of you use Spotify versus Apple Music? There's a lot of things that will exist on the Autodesk platform services that won't be owned by Autodesk. Right? And they're worth a lot of money that are used in the workflows that we all use every single day that make the end user's experience very unique. That's the expected experience of a platform that there's, this is like the beginning of the internet boom. And if you're not, remember what I said about prefab, if you don't know that it's happening, uh, that it's, what did we say years ago? Where's my friend that said I said it? Like if, if you're not, if, if, if you're not in it, it's a race, like you're, you're probably not winning. You know what I mean? Like right. you don't know this is happening. You've already lost. You've already <laughs> lost. You know, like it's the beginning of the internet boom, but yeah. Yeah. So one of your themes that I love hearing you talk about is not everything is a unicorn, but how do you create the uh, maybe illusion of custom yeah. to, to go along, make people feel good? They, they want something custom. They want it unique to them. How do you create that, that feel of custom while in the back end, it's, it's very much productized and there's kind of rules and, and regiments like you were just describing? I mean, I think it happens every day. We're in the MEP world here right now. Behind the like, I always say underground, behind the walls, above the ceilings. Do, do people really care? Like, do architects really care about that so much? Like, I know it sounds like a little bit wrong to say it like that. Engineers do, of course. Like, but as long as it meets the performance requirements, like, nobody's like, I used to make a joke all the time. I took off my shoe one time in a meeting, and I was like, is this gunmetal gray, or is this gun? Like, I was like, nobody really cares. Like, that's okay. Like, there are a million things we can do that can be productized that meet the performance requirements. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. it's okay. But... And I think we can start with those things. I think, you know how everyone used to use that com conversation about the car, like production line, and every construction guy I knew was like, buildings aren't cars, and I was like, no. They're made up of like millions of cars that need to be productized where we're only like, you know, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, you only want to adjust so many things of the Volkswagen MQB. Do you remember that conversation? It was like, mm. just the engine was standard and when they made 40 different cars out of that engine block, but we were like, buildings aren't cars. And I'm like, no, they're made up of like millions of cars that you keep the wet wall the same in the back, but then you change everything around that. And then there's like a million other things you keep standard and we just change the things around it. So it was like, we didn't quite get it like around that conversation that, you can do a lot of different things by keeping the engine block, quote unquote, or the smart wall part, the, the heavy MEP part the same, and then just adjusting around it. 
I think we've evolved from that, right? So once we productize things, there is technology available. Where's my friends today from Hill? We were talking about the fact that like, you can actually use rules and constraints with software out there today that would parametrically adjust based on the kit of parts you've defined and the data container that you keep it in. So it would like follow the life cycle of the product and you could swap the valve in and out, but it would, it would, it would adjust as you, as you went from like concept all the way to completion. And so again, like future state, I think, I think a lot of these, it's almost like I said last night, I'm like, we're all like, wouldn't it be great if we could all eat chocolate cake? If, if, the, if the notion is that we want to have like a product inform the design and we want to follow that product but be able to like adjust it the whole time and then like at the end, like have that commissioned. It's like, if that's cake, we have eggs, flour, water, sugar, cocoa, and butter, and like it's laid out on the table and chocolate, and we're just like, wouldn't it be great if we could eat cake? And we're like, hold on a minute, but we have, there's like all the ingredients for cake, and we're all like starving for cake, and we can't figure out how to make cake. But we have eggs, flour, water, sugar, cocoa, and like it's all over here, and there's an oven, and it's on, and we just somehow can't figure out how to eat cake. So it goes to what we were talking about last night at dinner, that yeah. we get so, narrowly focused on, on yeah. one thing and we need to kind of take a breath, yeah. <laughs> lift our eyes up, see okay. the bigger picture, see, see all the ingredients, see yeah. the, the oven that's out there. Uh, I want to pull in one of the questions cool. that, that's come in. Uh, I love a good generational question and, and on culture. So how does expected experience influence the upcoming Gen Z and new generations of the yeah. workforce. I think they look at us like we're crazy. Like I think they look <laughs> at Lean Construction Institute and they're like, wait, the coolest thing and most uh, like innovative thing is you get people and they like get in the same room and they talk to each other and that is IPD and we all like that, like we, that like, wait, that's the innovative thing that you guys all figured out in your like age range and I'm like, yeah. And they're like, what? Yeah, they're like, that doesn't make any sense to us. And I was at the Lean Construction Institute talking a couple weeks ago, so I feel like I can say that fine. And I literally said to everyone in the room, how many of you people actually have a social media account that you let your employees like post on? And nobody raised their hand. Not one company had a social media account. Not one. Zero. And I'm like, this is not about the great resignation. It's about the, as Gary Vee says, if you know what TikTok is, how many of you know what TikTok is? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Six billion hashtags about welding on TikTok right now. Um, if you don't know, it's about the great not applying. Like, if you don't make their expected experience about, like, check me out at my job with drones, like, you don't have a company anymore. How many of you have social media accounts? Raise your hand. How many of you let your employees post on it at will without checking through marketing? Love it. One person. So guess what? They all want to be social media stars. Let them. Just don't let them do it without hard hats on. But, like, let them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or under the load, as we say. Yeah. It's a big pet peeve soapbox of mine that people that listen to the show, the podcast will, will know, I, I talk about this a lot, but there's a marketing problem here in construction. And this goes exactly to what you're saying. Yeah. We do a really bad job in the industry of telling our story. We leave it to people outside the, the industry. Why would you want to be they in this know. space? <laughs> By the way, I'm going to say it out loud. I said it once a couple weeks ago. Don't hate me. I'm so sorry. I, and I'm not political and I'm not a feminist. I'm a capitalist. Just everyone should know that about me. I am a capitalist like through and through. But like I was watching sports the other day and I apologize, but there's like, I don't even know the names of the teams anymore. It's like the Cleveland Guardians. Is that, or no, that's the Washington ones now. The Guardians and there's the Cleveland, what's the Cleveland name that they changed? It's the Guardians, right? 
And somebody, a guy next to me was like, we should bring more women into the unions. And I was like, maybe you shouldn't call it the brotherhood of something. I'm just saying, like, I, like, <laughs> I just want to say out loud, like, maybe you should change it from the brotherhood. Like, I'm not offended personally by it, but I'm like, it just seems like maybe a marketing faux pas at this point. Nobody's clapping. I'm just saying. <laughs> but like, right? Like, if you think it's like oh, not okay to call them, the, like, you have to call it the guardians. You might want to, like, call them not the brotherhood. Call it the club of something. I'm just saying, like, I'm not offended, but, like, maybe, like, right? Like, if you yeah. want young girls to join the, but, okay, maybe not. All right. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. Uh, so there's uh, a comment. You can feel <laughs> free to put your name agrees. to it. Right, <laughs> uh, so years ago, your comment uh, was I know you agree, you just prefab. don't want to clap next to your friend next to you. Okay. Adopt prefab or be extinct. There we go. We got a clapper. Thank you. <laughs> What's the, the next what is next and what should our industry look forward to as the next evolution? I think we have to start understanding the products that you want to make and move upstream. So if it did, like I always, years ago I said to my friends, they were all like, if you got us in early and there was nothing on paper, like we would get all these buildings made correctly and we'd have all of our prefab shops like making everything. And I was like, great, nothing on paper, come today. And I was like, what do we put in this building? They were like, uh give us a floor plan. I'm like, no, no, you said before anything. And they were like, uh, and I was like, what are your products? What's the small, medium, large of a central utility plant? What are the rack sizes? What are, and they were like, uh, so I was like, listen, nothing's on paper. What are the products? You should be like, it's the generator test. If you can't tell me the Kohler, like it's a 200, 250, 300, 350, like eight horsepower, like you don't have products. You can't, you don't get to sit at the adult table, as I like to say, like you're still at the kids' table at Thanksgiving. Like you don't get to come early unless there is nothing on paper and you're like, these are the 17 things you should put in this hospital that I make. If you don't have it, you're not ready to get in early. That's my belief. And if you don't have it where you don't have to explain it with your mouth and your feet, you still don't have it. How's that? That was a little harsh. You didn't laugh at my brotherhood thing, so was, was, you get like in trouble now. All right, that was it. That's I like what I say. That's all right. <laughs> so how do you create that, that culture around productization that is, is really systemic throughout the industry and not just kind of siloed off with the innovators? I think it's like chicken and egg. Like in Autodesk, sometimes people will be like, well, you know, if this world existed where like people looked for things, what would be there? It's like build it and they will come, sort of like, a, like this is the conversation that goes on and on and on and on and on. As if, like here's the thing, architects, I, all my friends that have come to Advancing Prefab in March, if you're not coming to that, you should, like, because there is a Prefab 101 this year that we've never done before, like if you don't know enough about it. But like, the best architects I know in the world have been in that audience, for those of you who have come, and I'm like, listen, if you're expecting a human to know every rule and constraint of every piece part ever made, multiplied by the proprietary of every one of those piece parts ever made. You, that is impossible. You don't know what, like no architect knows what is made like that. And I've had like Stan Chu from Gensler and Jamie Johnson from Brian. They've all stood up and they're like, I don't know how things are made, impossible. Like you're expecting superhuman results from people that that's impossible there is and by the way like so my friend that we were talking about fishing poles I'm like where do you expect them to click there is no place for them to do that right now the only option is for them to hear from people with their mouth and their feet right now because you have not productized and is not there is no place that is cloud enabled like in totality so it's like you're expecting something like insanity at this point. But if you want to get ready for the next next, pretend one day that there is a place where like, if, 
like I almost want to say like this, and again, like I'm not like saying there's a product and there's not, like if Amazon like hypothetically opened up tomorrow and said, architects will be able to click and go right there. And like what the store opens, whatever that is, Alibaba, Ariba, I don't care, whatever that is. Are you ready? What are you selling there tomorrow? Again, I sit you in front of the group and it's like, you have the floor. What are you selling? Are you ready? How many of you raise your hand think you are actually ready for that future state today? Raise your hand. Let the record show that no one raised their hand. So what's the kind of first step? Into first step of action is think about the things you make in your shop that you're consistently making. Funny enough, I asked somebody today, I told them I wouldn't say the numbers, so I won't. I was like, how many pieces and parts are in your product library? And they said a number. And I was like, how many of those pieces and parts that are in your product component library? And I, and by the way, they weren't assemblies. So I asked them again, like, how many of those are assemblies? So ask yourself how many assemblies are in your component library. And of those, how many of those are redundant and, and not optimized? Think about how many assemblies you could put in a library right now that if I sat you in front of an architect for a data center, for a hospital, pick one, just start with one. Like, pick, pick a thing that you're good at and say, how many of those assemblies, if I said, you're going to build a data center today, what could you actually supply? And you would say, I'm going to make a skid, I'm going to make a rack, I'm going to make a riser, I'm going to make a ceiling assembly, I'm going to make an underground assembly, and you're going to say, I'm going to make these, I'm going to make the most optimized, who cares if someone's ever going to buy it, I'm going to make these optimized assemblies, as if I was going to sit with an architect and say, you should put them all in your design, and I make them in these parameters, like you can stretch them these wide, these long, and after you get this to this level, you go to my small, medium, and large of these, whatever, put them in quotes. You should define those, you should make those, as if no one's ever going to buy them, but they could, and start there. Right, because you can, as Clay knows, you can always adjust those based, if you know the rules and parameters, right Clay? If you knew the rules and parameters of what your machines and your process development can make those into, which you need now anyway, right, for downstream processes. He just told you, you have to have them to use that new pilot. Like if you just use that pilot and make those rules and constraints and understood what you can make, you'd be ready. Like I'm asking you to do the first steps that you need anyway, right Clay, for the pilot. So just do the pilot for Evolve and you'd be ready. So what's the biggest hurdle? By the way, that was not a sales pitch. That's actually true. <laughs> that, we did not plan that, right? I didn't even know you were going to show that slide. We'll slip you the money on I mean, the stage. <laughs> uh, what's the biggest hurdle standing in the way of making that a reality? I'll tell you exactly what it is. I think the best guys, who's the best guy that knows the information in your office? Who are you? Raise your hand if you, don't be, don't be shy. Is that you? I should have said the best person. My apologies. What's your name? Cammy. Cammy? Yeah, Tammy. Tammy. How busy are you every day? Oh, all day, every day. All day, every day. Tammy, they're like, you know what? Who's your boss? Is, are they here? Is she, let me see this. Is she here, your boss? <laughs> oh, you're alone. You got to get your boss to give you a moment in time to stop. Every one of you should get your best person. Stop. Right, Clay? You need Tammy to take the rules and constraints that only Tammy knows, that you need to memorialize in that pilot that only she knows about the products that you make and get them memorialized, give her a moment, a break. Because when she retires, not saying that you should, or me, when she retires, that's it. Those rules go with her to the Bahamas or wherever you want to go, or skiing or wherever she does. You better give those people a break because they're busy working right now making you money, but that gravy train ends unless you stop, take what's in her head, 
and get them down on rules and constraints that you need to take so that you can at least get it in the downstream so that one day we can move it upstream. That is the number one constraint, hands down. We're too busy to future-proof our rules and constraints and understand what we make for the future. Who is a boss in this room right now? It's your fault. You're not too busy to not get wiped off the face of the earth. Like, just remember that. If you don't stop and let her do that, or whoever your camp Tammy is, you're out. Bridging the Gap is powered by Graytech Group. As a global BIM and modeling expert, Graytech is dedicated to empowering construction and manufacturing professionals to digitize and industrialize their processes to improve performance and build a sustainable tomorrow. With more than 30 years in the industry, they know how to be your partner in a world where change is the new normal and always strive to enable their customers to gain an increased competitive advantage to model the future. Visit greatech-group.com for more information. We also have a mic if you wanna come up and ask Amy a question as well too, or come back at her, you can be Sassy you are totally <laughs> allowed to challenge me, like 100%. And if I'm wrong, I often change my mind for the record. So if you have a comment, you can... Yay! Yeah, Stand up and say where you're from so that I know who you are and with the... Yeah. Uh, Sean Hillgartner, and uh, I'm not going to say where I'm from because my question is, do you breathe? <laughs> do I read? Breathe. Breathe, I think. Breathe? Breathe. I don't think I saw you Oh, not once. that much. I don't really sleep that much. For those of you who know me, I send a lot of, I do respond like, to a lot of emails and stuff, like in LinkedIn and, and social media, so not that much. Did I talk too much today? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry if I didn't let much. I did try to answer all the questions. Um, do I breathe? Do I normally breathe? You're breathing right now. You're good. You're alive. You're up. <laughs> but can I tell you why? We can't lose this battle. You realize that, right? I have to go to other countries and I walk over homeless people on the street and, or even in Denver in our own other places. And I go like, there's a digital divide in this country right now where people don't have the internet when they had to go to school or like kids that live on the street right now. That's why I can't breathe or sleep or do things. And there are companies going out of business because they don't have enough work or they're not doing the right work and that's why I can't breathe. And we are, by the way, 40% of what's in our landfill waste right now is construction waste. And that's why I can't breathe. Because we don't have time for that right now. We have to fix this. Like, we have to fix this. And it's on us because we have all the data and all the knowledge to fix it. And so I can't breathe right now because I'm talking to the people that can fix it. You are all the people that can fix it. And it does start with one person to make that spark. And hopefully, I want to make a spark for somebody in the room, to be honest. So the attendees could go home and do one thing and be inspired by what you've been talking about, what would you want them to, to take away? I think if you're having problems, you know, getting people to move, and I think just start measuring things, right? Like, you can't digitize and automate things unless you start measuring stuff and you, and you start recognizing where the domain expertise lives so that you can start seeing the patterns of what you can productize and you know where that knowledge lives, right? Like, Randy, would you agree with that? Like, you guys have done that at TDI. You didn't go to automating things before you started mapping out process development and product development. Um, right. 
Yeah, I mean, I would selfishly say, like, you can reach out and find out about the maturity assessment that we're doing right now, because we developed it right for that reason. You can't, listen, we're, we're in construction. People love to buy toys. Let's just call it what it is, right? Like, we love to buy robots. You should buy that. And I'm like, if you buy something really expensive and you're not ready for it, it's just going to end up like my treadmill, very dusty in the corner of my house, or making scrap faster like it could. And so you, you, you start with an, you know, an assessment of what you're really ready for, because you can't fly unless you're climbing. You might be just ready to climb out of the primordial ooze at the moment, and that's okay. Start there and, and really you know, start small. Looks like we got questions coming back in. So historically, VDC was second tier department behind ops. How do we get operations to let us sit at the table and bring this data and change to our firm? I mean, you got to get your leaders to start learning. That's number one. I think Clay said it, like there's new roles and stuff. Go on, like one of the things I just did recently for a bunch of leaders is I went on LinkedIn and I looked at new titles that didn't exist before. And there's a whole a bunch of studies that are done. Like, and... I am stunned at the new titles that exist out there and the war going on for VDC and people that have, if you have, listen, I shouldn't say this in front of other people if you work with them, but like if you have the word prefab or industrialized construction or offsite or anything having to do with fabrication in your title right now, there is like, they're robbing whole sets of groups from one company to another right now because like that is, or VDC in your title, is, there's like whole wars going on for staff around VDC. Like that is a fact. So like you can just like look on LinkedIn and like all the people that have this is like crazy what people are looking to pay and do for other people. So if, if your company's not listening, trust me, somebody else's company is. So they're looking for that. So if you want to stay with your company, I think just like looking around and understanding and reading and showing them articles about what's happening out there, just follow some people on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, how many of you are really active on LinkedIn? Raise your hand, be honest. A lot of the people that are, see, not a lot. You all think it's like people are going to recruit you. You think it's for that, right? You all think it's like, ah, I want people calling me up and getting me a new job. It's not for that anymore. It's really about learning. Like, I read so much about learning things on LinkedIn from following people, right, Randy? Like about It's amazing right? how much people share out on Oh, LinkedIn. my gosh. It is absurd how much, like, and amazing. Yeah. And I learn. I read articles. I click on things. I'm not breathing, but I'm reading at night. I, I'm a very, I have a very boring social life. Like, I'm a super nerd. But, like, you can learn a lot. Get on your LinkedIn, fix up your profile, and just read. Read Twitter. Read, like, watch anything you can read. And I think you can show some really cool articles of what's happening in studies and research that are going on there. And actually, from the, the maturity matrix, sorry, the maturity uh, assessments, we're publishing some papers on that. And we're going to be doing some live research at the Advancing Prefab show this year that we're going to be publishing. So just put some stuff in front of them so that they start thinking differently. I think that's really important. Um, and if, by the way, I just mentioned this to somebody today. If I'm ever in your town, I try to visit every shop I can. So if you see that I'm coming to a town near you, like I literally am like, I'll stop at random shops and like meet their leaders and do a lunch or any, I try everywhere I am. I can't promise, but I always try to meet with people wherever town I'm in. How do people find out where you're going? You just follow me on LinkedIn and I'll be like, hey, on this date, I'm going to be in this town. And then you're like, hey, so I ask like, look, I was just at like um, Encore shop in Denver and I was just, they just saw I was going to be there and like, they invited me for breakfast. I went before my show and I went toward their shop and like I went and I saw Sam Hamilton. I met the people out. I went through their whole shop. I toured it and met their leaders. Like I do it all the time. I, I mean, I try everywhere I am to go make the most of my day and see shops wherever I am. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Let's pull in a couple more questions here. So do you foresee a future where standard duck parts are an off-the-shelf item in lieu of everyone having their own fab shop? Um, so let's think expected experience. Like if you look at what happens when you monetize and create e-commerce, what ends up happening is that you first um, create a connected e-commerce experience and then people end up doing logistics and then they end up private labeling things, right or wrong? Amazon in 2019 had 145,000 different private label products and under 45 different brands. They also do their own fulfillment right now of many of those products. And I, this is a true story. A guy in plumbing once said to me, like, I think you're, he actually used the word smoking dope, that that'll happen in our space. And I said, I know we're recording this. I'm sorry, mom. But um, <laughs> he said that. And I said, well, let me tell you this. Of those products, I put many of them in my mouth, actually, and on my hair and skin. And interestingly enough, I put many of those in my baby, she's 14, in my baby's mouth and on her skin and on her hair. And so I don't think your pipe spool is so special, for the record. I, I think they're not so cool that I wouldn't buy them off the rack, quote unquote, or like ductwork at some point, especially if it was uh, fulfilled, readily available and private labeled and standardized with a guaranteed price. Do you? Think expected experience, right? Do you think your ductwork is so uh, special that if I could buy it right from where I was in the drawings and get a guaranteed price, like I do in Prime, um, it would be so special? Yes or no? Correct. I don't think that's, I think that's expected experience. Um, I think what's stopping that now is that a lot of the um, distributors are giving credit and they're doing logistics. But there are other people out there that have a lot of money that could do credit and they're kind of good at fulfillment and logistics, right? We build them now for those people. They have a lot of fulfillment centers, I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah. So how do you get started with duct prefab? Um, also, by the way, duct work in other countries has been standardized already. So um, if you look at Australia, that's already happened, right? So they, are, they have standardized duct work in other countries. So I think that one's an easy one, to be honest, of all the things. How do you get started? Yeah. I mean. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Start. MCAA is looking at some cool things already over there and just like tie in with your MCAA prefab conference that's going on. And they're doing a lot of great things. And so is Nika. Yeah. We got a couple more questions yeah. coming in. Do any resource, do any resources or historical data exist that would help a BIM guy convince an old school <laughs> shop foreman to use products such as Camduck to help prefab? That's like the hardest question <laughs> of the day. Like, how old is old school? <laughs> you know, I mean, Subjective. I would say the thing to do with the old school shop foreman is take them on a learning journey. Do you know what that is like? pay for them to go and visit a bunch of shops. I've taken guys on shop tours of other places and they're like, oh my God, like, right? Like it, it, if you see it, you can't unsee it. Do you know what I mean? Like if you tell them that's one thing, but if they go and touch it, smell it and walk it and they see some other old school shop guy doing it, like, there's nothing better than, look, you don't want a girl in high heels telling an old school shop guy guy to do that, even though I'm really, like, inside an old school shop guy guy. I just don't look like one. But, like, go find a couple shops and, like, tour them around with a guy that looks like them and talks like them that says, listen, dude, I promise you, I was just like you, and look at our stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that, you kind of need to find a peer company to go and do that with. And there's a lot of guys that will let you go on a tour. Actually, Advancing Prefab, that show in March, does tours. And right, like I've taken a, we took a tour of Randy's place. It's actually on um, Queen of Prefab episode four, four. And, um, and a lot of guys walked through there and they were like, oh my gosh, like, and they saw it. And they saw like software in action and they saw um, 
people do in prefab in action, and I think it's an eye-opener for a lot of them. They just never saw it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. So what is your opinion of why the industry <laughs> is pushing contractors to utilize Revit? I mean, I just think in general, like, again, you have to be this tall to ride the ride, right? And Revit in three dimension is like the baseline to ride the ride. We just have to make the eye more intelligent with the rules and constraints of manufacturing. So I believe that to be true, that it was never intended to be the end game. It was intended to be the stepping stone to, be, to get to the end game. So I believe that's why um, we're pushing people in general why you should use Revit because, you know, although most people don't see in three dimension, you do need the three dimension for the rules and constraints for parametric modeling and things like that. Also, um, I think that Aaron Wells is amazing <laughs> and he, I'm one of his biggest fans and I think, hey, Aaron Wells, I know you couldn't be here today, but I just want to let you know that we're thinking about you. It was very well done to, to weave that in. How was that? It was great. <laughs> well done. <laughs> we got a special request. We that had a was special awesome. Request. I love I'm it. I love it. <laughs> uh, so, how do you prove the ROI on the capital investment? So, again, like I think the only way you're going to like prove ROI is by to understand scale, right? So, I've had this big argument with a lot of people around scale that. You know, we love toys, as we said, like people want to buy welding robots. It was one of the first arguments I had with one of my very first partners. And that is, you've got to be able to understand what you make and that you want to make enough of it, right? So it's funny, I have a friend that's in the business of making machine tooling, and he walked one of the first factories or a couple factories when he saw some people doing some stuff, and he was like, this is so dumb, Amy, you guys in construction. He's like, I could sell them a machine for $2 million and it would make that 50% of the labor. And I was like, yeah, the problem is they're just never going to do that again. You know, like, that's cool, but then you'll sell it to them for $2 million for this job and it'll sit in the corner and get dusty after that. So I think you just have to understand first, before you buy anything, what are the products that you're truly going to make? Because machines can only do things to certain parameters, right? They don't make everything and anything up to, like, any size and shape, like you have to really figure out what product you're making. So you have to go through a product development process and then you have to understand process development, like how you're gonna make those products and then what's the kind of scale you're looking at. And then you don't think in terms of a project, you wanna think of like how many projects you're gonna do them on. And most capital improvement in our world don't think like that. They're very project centric when you think about like ROI, right? You think about like, a project, a project, a project, it's not worth it on this project. You have to think about programmatically at your company what pro what products you're gonna be making, and correct me if I'm wrong, Randy, because like really this is your area, like what products you're gonna be making over what period of time and what applications that, like again, can you use that product in hospitals, in data centers, in health, you know, in like, in, in, in housing, like, the commonality of what products you can use over many applications, over what period of time. And then you think about like what piece of tooling in that process development would be able to help you make that thing more effectively. Like most people just go to like, I wanna buy this welding robot. And I'm like, why? Like are we making, they're like, we're making something in transportation. I'm like, like skateboards or spaceships? Like, you know, it's like, they don't really know yet. And I'm like, slow your roll on like buying the thing. And so I, I just think that's really important that we just, when you're good at something in, in manufacturing, you go to automation in the last 5%. You don't start in automation. You like end in automation in tooling, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think, again, by the way, manufacturing is not a new skill set. Um, you can like hire people that are really good in technology and manufacturing. It's just they don't translate and speak construction. So I think when you think about getting the convergence right, you want to go 
that's why I honestly came to Autodesk. I love the fact that we have technologists, we have people that are great at construction and AC, we have people that are great in manufacturing, and you know, the next next is gonna be like media and entertainment and sustainability mixed with manufacturing and construction. It's like, I have lots of customers that wanna do gamification on their production lines right now, that wanna understand carbon neutrality in their production process right now. That, that's happening now. Right, so you know, what does the factory of the future look like? What does this all happen to like be like when we're trying to be carbon neutral in our factories of the future? Like right now in this group, we're like, how do we go from being a fab shop to a manufacturing? Well, you better hurry up because we have other companies that are looking at like overtaking you into like really complex areas. And so I, I just think again, take your domain expertise right now. I said to somebody earlier today, I'm like, you make skids that have 80% manufactured items on them right now, right? The hard part is not the skid. What happens when Victaulic wants to get ahead of you in the game and they don't want you to like pencil them out of the game and they're gonna get to the front of the process with the Victaulic skid when all they have to make is the Victaulic part, right? Like, and the skid part is the simple part, right? Like, they don't want you like canceling them out of the thing or, and I just use Victaulic in quotes, whatever the, whatever the complicated manufactured part on that skid is that you don't make anymore, right? Like, you gotta think of ways that somebody's gonna try to like erase you off the face of the earth. That's that the people that are actually really much more sophisticated than what you're doing. How do you preserve what you're really good at and get that into the tech, into technology right now? That's really important for this group, I feel like. And really, honestly, again, we didn't, I didn't know what Clay and Evolve was gonna talk, what we're gonna talk about. How do you really get into the new stuff that's happening? Because it's gonna prepare you for the next next of getting it in the front of the process, even though currently it's at the end of the process. So last question for yeah. you. It's one of my favorites. If I could give you all power. All power? Oh, all wait. power. Okay. You could snap your fingers and you could innovate one thing in the industry. What would you snap and innovate? I always say wave my magic queen of prefab wand. If I could wave <laughs> my magic queen of prefab wand, what would I do, right? I mean, I would truly have the equivalent of the connected commerce ecosystem that is missing from our space right now. I think that you hear me talk about it the expected experience I would love to have immediately. I think it's coming in the near-term future in some form, but if I could wave my magic wand and have the equivalent of like how I buy fishing rods in this process, I would wave my magic queen of prayer. I want to have it right this second. I think it's desperately needed. I think it would change a lot of things, and I think I, I would love that if I could you know, order a distribution rack the way that I order my red shoes, I would. Mm -hmm. Nice. I like it. Thanks so much, Amy. Yeah, this was, was, great. was this okay? Was this fun for you guys? I hope, I hope this was fun. Yeah, I had fun. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Give me a hug. Bring it in. All right. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, the people with a mission critical data need to step up and tell others what is needed to help drive the change for the industry. Data is key and will be critical to forward improvement. Second take, Amy brought up a great point around taking the time to document the knowledge needed to run the company and do the job. I would argue that documenting employee wisdom is mission critical to long-term success, especially in an industry that is rapidly aging out a huge segment of the workforce. If we don't document the immense amount of knowledge that exists in people's heads, what is going to happen to it? And final take, I love the concept of expected experience. 
Ask yourself, what is the experience you expect from companies in your personal life? Now ask yourself, why shouldn't construction hold to that standard as well? We don't have to overcomplicate things. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, Great Tech Group, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd White, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.